Good morning. So before I begin, I want to teach you a new term that you'll hear in this scripture. So I've wondered about this for years, and when I read it in the scripture, I thought I would look it up. So the word is Omer, O-M-E-R. Omer is, has several meanings, but in this particular passage, it means weight. It means between three and four pounds, or perhaps 14 cups, if that's easier for you to imagine. So when I read this, imagine the Israelites collecting three to four pounds of little white flakes. It changes your whole view of what this story is about. On this fourth Sunday of Eastertide, we begin our stewardship series by remembering some of our money stories so that we can begin to write the one that God is begging us to live into. Let us open our hearts, ears, and imaginations as we follow the desperate Israelites being gifted with God's provision of the Feast of Enough after complaining in the wilderness. The whole Israelite community set, up from, set out from Elam and came to the Sin Desert, which is located between Elam and Sinai. They set out on the 15th day of the second month after they had left the land of Egypt. The whole Israelite community complained against Moses and Aaron in the desert. The Israelites said to them, how we wish that the Lord had just put us to death while we were still in the land of Egypt. There we could sit by the pots cooking meat and eat our fill of bread. Instead, you brought us into this desert to starve this whole assembly to death. Then the Lord said to Moses, I'm going to make bread rain down from the sky for you. The people will go out each day and gather just enough for that one day. In this way, I'll test them to see whether or not they follow my instruction. On the sixth day, when they measure out what they have collected, it will be twice as much as they had collected on other days. So, Moses and Aaron said to all the Israelites, this evening you will know that it was the Lord that brought you out of the land of Egypt. And in the morning you will see the Lord's glorious presence because your complaints against the Lord have been heard. Who are we? Why blame us? Then Moses continued, the Lord will give you meat to eat in the evening and your fill of bread in the morning because the Lord heard your complaints. Who are we? Your complaints aren't against us, but against the Lord. So then Moses said to Aaron, 
Say to the entire Israelite community, come near to the Lord, for he has heard your complaints. As Aaron spoke to the whole Israelite community, they turned to look towards the desert, and just then, the glorious presence of the Lord appeared in a cloud. The Lord spoke to Moses, I've heard the complaints of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will have your fill of bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening, a flock of quail flew down and covered the camp. And in the morning, there was a layer of dew all around the camp. When the layer of dew lifted, there on the desert surface were thin flakes, as thin as frost on the ground. When the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? They didn't know what it was. Moses said to them, this is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Collect as much of it as each of you can eat, one omer per person. You may collect for the number of people in your household. So the Israelites did, as Moses said, some collecting more, some less. But when they measured it out by the omer, the ones who had collected more had nothing left over. And the ones who had collected less had no shortage. Everyone collected just as much as they could eat. The word of God for the people of God. Let us pray. Let the words of our mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. This fourth Sunday of Eastertide, which is also my farewell Sunday of my role as a seminarian at United Parish for this academic year, We'll begin our stewardship series by remembering what we were taught or how we learned about money and how that influences our ongoing relationship with money in our daily lives. Money is an awkward and difficult topic to talk about because of the various emotional complexities, attitudes, and fear of judgment around it and it creates problems, stress, and insecurity in our personal relationships. But we are talking about money because our theme today is recommitting and remembering. 
Like most of you, I learned about money when I was a child. From an early age, my parents taught me that stuff costs money, and they would show me that. I used to have a clear jar where I would save money. My parents made it a point to give me a clear jar so that I could see the money slowly growing and actually understand the concept of savings. From time to time, when I really wanted something, let's say, I don't know, a toy, my parents would say, well, that toy cost 10 lei, which is the local currency in Romania. So we would take together a few lei from uh, that jar. We would go to the store, and then they would physically help me to give the money to the cashier to pay for the toy. This had more impact on me than any five-minute explanation about money. Some of the money in the jar would come from commissions that I would receive for doing various chores around the house. So I learned that money is earned with hard work and used to buy those toys in the store. My parents would also tell me, if you buy this toy, you won't have the money for the other one. So which one do you want more and why? Over time into adulthood with financial training, I also learned to invest. To this day, I view money as something to be earned, and sometimes with a lot of work, and to be budgeted. Part of it to be then used on, based on, I would say, thoughtful decisions, including to help others. Part of it to be saved, and part of it to be potentially invested. Many of my friends knew from an early age that if you want something, you have to pay for it. But not all developed a good grasp on finances or budgeting over time. Some friends learned more than others how to save and or how to invest. The exposure to various attitudes around money influences our money pattern, our relationship to other people, how much we are willing to give to others, how we buy, how we save, how we, we want to be perceived in society. And everybody's story is different. Since our theme today is recommitting and remembering, I invite you to just take your time after this worship service and remember your money story. How did you learn about money? And how does it influence your relationship with money to this day? The Bible talks about money in over 2,000 verses and includes many stories that aim to teach us how to think about resources in general. Many times in the stories in the Bible, money is a means to resources. We just heard in this Exodus story that the people of Israel complained in the wilderness because they were starving, and God provided them with manna. God supplied enough food for everybody. So God provided a concept for what living with enough looks like. Just think about these verses. Collect as much of it as you can eat 
one Omer per person you may collect for the number of people in your household. The Israelites did as Moses said, some collecting more, some less. But when they measured it out by the Omer, the ones who had collected more had nothing left over, and the ones who had collected less had no shortage. Everyone collected just as much as they could eat. So God then guided the Israelites into keeping a day of Sabbath, a practice that simultaneously provided rest and actually guarded against greed and hoarding. So what does this mean? Well, God is shaping them as a different kind of people, a different kind of, of community by gathering every day the food that falls from the sky. They not only learn to trust that their God will actually help, but also to share their basic human resources equitably. God is showing them, and actually us, that different kind of economy is possible. An economy in which people share their resources, even when they don't have much. An economy in which people help each other, help the poor, where there is enough for all. An economy where we have to learn to live with enough and use the surplus to share and help others. Jesus talked about money too. Matthew chapter six tells us, stop collecting treasures for your own benefit on earth. Instead, collect treasures for yourselves in heaven. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Book of Acts in chapter two mentions that the believers sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had a need. While in chapter 20, we read, in everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So all the stories and references about money and resources in the Bible have the same underlying idea. We should live with enough and use the surplus to help others so that everybody has enough. Ensure that the resources on this planet are shared equitably. Well, this feels like it's easier said than done. How do you actually define enough? How do you discern what is enough? What does enough money, food, time, and resources look like for you? Can you determine when you had too much or too little? Well, I learned in business school that savings to cover housing and all other expenses for a year would be considered a good definition of enough. But is it really? What happens if you want or you need to go back to school for better career opportunities and you have to pay tuition, but you just don't have enough savings and you have to get a loan? And what if you can't get a loan? What if you have to send your children to school what if you have an accident and you end up in the hospital and you have to pay a huge medical bill? 
In a society where economic downturns and financial crises can happen with, I would say, relative regularity, and one can experience financial insecurity, it's not easy to decide when the accumulated resources are enough in order to start sharing and truly help other people. I certainly struggle with this. And in societies focused more on individual than collective success, without much safety net, that financial cushion to maintain financial autonomy needs to be even higher. How can we live with enough, especially in our consumer capitalist society where the pursuit and accumulation of wealth is praised as the ultimate measure of success and happiness? many times even ignoring the environmental and social impact that it has. The more the society evolves, technology develops, and new products and services are created, the more people want to have access to them, experience, enjoy them. The social practice and, in the end, the set of relationships that are put in place in the Mana story in the Exodus I would say collide with the established economic patterns of our current society. How would people who benefit immensely from such patterns give up their surplus to the benefit of others? And why would they, when having resources becomes an identity, a symbol of a status in society? What would determine a mental shift in people to look towards a living with enough economy. I don't know, maybe a collapse of our ecosystem? And what about the poor people who live with hardships every day? Wouldn't they want to accumulate wealth if they had the chance to make sure that they don't go through poverty again? Life is complex. And despite all these complexities and characteristics of our current economy, we, in this room, and many, many other people on this planet had many moments throughout our lives when we actually embraced principles of living with enough. Maybe we shared our resources or our food with others. Maybe we opened our houses to refugees. We helped others in various ways. We reduced our food waste or our consumption we supported products and companies that pay a fair wage to the employees, and the list can go on and on. Whatever we do, all our small steps, every time we examine our choices and their implications, it matters, it makes a difference. The more we and more people look towards principles of living with enough, the more we are on a path to make our society more just and equitable. And again, since our theme is recommit and remember, I invite you to contemplate all these questions and just think about how living with enough has manifested so far in your lives. The people of Israel were wandering in the wilderness, just starving and doubting they would have enough because in the wilderness, they didn't have the means to cultivate the food necessary to survive. 
So they felt discouraged. They, they complained to God. And God gave them food. God heard the complaints, saw that the people were hungry, and took action. In your own life, when have you felt like the people of Israel, wondering and doubting you would have enough? If that happens, don't give up. Reach out for help. Try to think about solutions. Help will come. God is with you, is around you. The fact that the people of Israel were starving in the wilderness reminds us of the poverty, famine, and food shortage that so many people all over the world experience daily, often due to no fault of their own. The effects of climate change, economic globalization, and war in many places exacerbate the problem. So every time we follow the principles of living with enough and try to do something to help to change things, it does matter. The people of Israel felt a sense of abundance, even though they had food just to live with enough. In our society, this feels like a contradiction because we view our abundance in terms of money, in terms of material accumulation. But I'm asking, is it all about money, or is it about resources? What does God provide when we receive manna? I think God provides resources beyond material means because we don't just need to survive physically, but we need to be whole. God provides the understanding that excessive material accumulation is not the absolute goal in life. That's not what happiness really is. We shouldn't live to make money, but make money to live and help others. True abundance comes from nourishing time with those you, you love, from sharing a meal with your family, from looking at the nature around you, from helping others, maybe from having a positive impact in your community or whatever makes you feel whole, because life is short. I thought about moments when I felt like receiving manna. There were a few times in my life when I received an unexpected financial gift for work that I've done. I felt gratitude and excitement. I felt appreciated, like, like I've done something right. I felt blessed. And I usually shared those gifts with people in need as much as I could. I felt at peace when I did that. It was the right thing to do. Mana came into my life in many other ways. Through the love and support of the people around me, my partner, my family, my friends, through career opportunities I had throughout my life, through unexpected solutions to problems when I prayed, through unexpected support in low moments of my life, through the chance to be healthy and be alive. God was there for me, was around me, and I want to give back as much as I can and since we are called today to recommit and remember, 
I invite you to identify a time in your life that felt like receiving manna and contemplate what it feels like to receive this. How do manna moments like this impact your faith and how you steward your wealth, how you receive, spend, and share money your, and your resources with others? For the words we say out loud, for the words we say in our hearts, amen.